0: Casting from an undisclosed location from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him it's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe this is the hunting show find the hunting show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics
1: welcome back to another week of the hunting show I'm your host Stephen Spargo and thank you for joining me once again you know, good on you for spending some time with me. Unfortunately, this week we have missed Peter Bridle. We've had a, a hiccup with me not being able to talk for a couple of days. And with him, um, he's a hunting guide. You know, he's got to get out and do his guiding work when he can. So we're going to do a show on reloading anyway. but um, and, and we will catch up with Peter about what he has to offer and his thoughts on reloading in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. What's your thoughts before we get into this week's show on hunting in the cold? I don't mind it. I've got the gear and I'll mission off in the cold. It's not as nice maybe as a spring day. Uh, But certainly the cold doesn't bother me. And the rain, believe it or not, doesn't bother me at all. What I don't like is strong wind. Something about particularly fly camping or hunting uh, um, overnight in extreme winds just doesn't do it for me. And yes, I'm a bit of a softy sometimes, and I'm, I'm not a fair weather hunter. But definitely if I look at the forecast, and it's going to be for very, very high winds, I go, really? And uh, to be fair, normally I still go out there. But um, the wind bothers me more than the cold. I'd like to hear from you. Have you been out hunting in the cold? Have you got some great photos, actually, of the cold? and uh, And you guys out there, those frosty mornings or in the snow. And I've seen a lot on Facebook. Please send them to me. Uh, by Facebook or by in- email, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. I'd really like to see them. So this week we have a regular on the show. It's Mr. Mike Felton from Felton Reloading, and he's taking the place of Peter Bridal in the meantime. We're going to get him back, like I said, a couple of seconds ago in a few weeks' time. Mike, how's shit, man? Um, Yeah, no, shit's still shit, mate. But um, <laughs> it's, um, you know
0: same shit different bucket today yeah yeah.
1: Hey, you didn't hear the intro to this uh because obviously you were you were, you weren't on the phone at that point but it's cold man how do you find hunting in the cold
0: well, to be honest um if you speak to my wife she thinks i'm a complete mad bastard I-, I snuck out on saturday afternoon um down the desert and took the young pup in the snow for the first time and i absolutely love it i really do it's um, I've shot a lot of seeker in the snow. They seem to love it. They, you know, they come out, and they play in it. At eleven o'clock in the, you know, in the morning, they just go nuts in it. So no, I love it.
1: Because I, I don't mind the cold, and I, I definitely don't mind the snow, and I don't mind the rain. Particularly, I love summer rain um, when I'm hunting, but I hate the wind. Day, eh? the wind just, just doesn't do it for me.
0: Um, yeah, strong wind, absolutely. And and when I got down the desert. I think it was about 2 o'clock on Sunday, uh, so, uh, sorry, um, Saturday, Steve. It was the old guy, D-Max, which I rate highly, of course. Um, <laughs> the thermometer said it was 3 degrees, and there was an awfully strong wind, um, and it was bloody cold, mate. It really was. But, you know, once you get out there and you start walking around, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's not too bad.
1: Now, on the subject of reloading, it's something you're very, very passionate about. The first thing I want to talk to you about is why. Why why would you go ahead and get a reloader or reload yourself instead of going down to the to the local hunting and fishing store and grabbing some, you know, Remington Core Lock off the shelf and shooting that and grouping kind of okay?
0: Hey, if you, if you like if the group kind of okay, then by all means, you know, go ahead and buy, you know... Um factory made ammunition um, I'm just trying to think of the brand that I can't stand though, it's the same one as your mate last week mentioned.
1: Yeah, let's not talk about that.
0: Um, anyway
1: <laughs> Starts with P, that one?
0: Yeah, that's the yeah, one Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, It's a good thing to start with that letter but that one's not one of them. Um, now if you're happy to group say say two inches or even an inch at 100 metres, then by all means, find an ammo that works and stick with it. Yeah mm. For those who want to shoot out as far as I do, you know, sort of 800 metres on boats, um, I need to cloverleaf at 100, mm. and, and even cloverleaf at 200. Um, and the only way I found over the years to achieve those results is to tailor-make a round to your rifle. Now, you can play with weights, powder burn rates, charges, and so on and so forth, until you until you get the results you're actually after. And that's one of the you know the advantages of hand-loading is you can actually
1: make that happen. Mm. Why can't the factory loads do it, though? This is what I've been trying to get my head around, and I haven't had a satisfactory answer. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get a mass-produced load, it's a machine or yeah. a robot or, or something doing that. Why can't they do it? I just, Or is it just yeah, that yeah. it's custom? What, what's the problem?
0: It's not a problem. What it is is when they make a round, let's say they make it... Uh, the Hornady attack you make around. Mm. It's made to Sami standards. It's a set length. It's got a, you know, it's not quite a maximum charge of powder in it. So it will fit every single different rifle out there. You know, 308, it'll fit every 308, whether it be a Remington, a Howell, or a Beretta, or whatever. Now, one of the keys that i found to accuracy is to actually fire-form your brass so it fits your chamber nicely. That's that's key number Let's
1: one. talk about that just a little bit before you move on to key number two. That yep. fire form your brass. Now, I gave you yep. some brass today that yep. was pre-fired. It wasn't pre-fired for my firearm. And yep. if you to happen to use that brass in my gun, would you would you be pre-firing, fire-forming it again, or is it no, just no, no, it's no. a one-off thing? You get one go at this. Yeah, well,
0: depends. Most rifles, in fact, every rifle is going to have a minute. Tolerance difference inside the chamber. It's just you know machining, it's tool wear, it's you know so on and so forth. So each rifle, if you buy a if you buy a factory case, it'll fit. Hmm. As soon as you fire that, it, it'll stretch, and expand to the capacity of the chamber. So that is now fire formed to that rifle. That brass you gave me, if I was going to load that um, for your rifle. Now I know that it's not from your rifle. That needs to be um, totally resized, you know. So it's it's back to standard, if you like. Mm. If it's from your rifle, yeah. Then we just next size it. Now, I it, so now it's a snug, perfect fit. Right. So any expansion that's now going to happen is going to go straight down the barrel. It's not going to expand in your chamber as much. A little, you know, a tiny bit, but not as much. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you know, that's one of the keys. The second key is bullet jump, Now a lot of people don't understand this. And this is one of the fundamental aspects I've found for, for increasing your groupings, making them tight. Sami standards say a is going to be you know two point oh four five inches long. Mm. Okay, that's overall length. Your rifle may be capable of going up at the two point one or two point two.
2: Yeah.
0: So we measure that. Now that is definitely projectile specific. You can't. Use one projectile and for all projectiles use that. But the old give of the bullet's different. Right. So you have to do that per projectile, you know, type. So if you're using a one eighty grain AMAX, you know, you measure it with a one eighty grain AMAX, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then we set it back to twenty foul. So the length or the distance the bullet needs to physically jump into the lands and the rifling is minimal. You know, if you imagine holding, back, so holding your gun, take your bolt out and hold a pin or a needle three feet above your, your rifle and try and drop it down the centre. See what happens. See so how many times you can make it do that, you know, so it doesn't rattle down your barrel. Mm. Now, if you bring it right down to the centre of the barrel and drop it, chances are it's going to fall straight through without even touching the sides. So you increase accuracy. It's, it's a pretty blunt way of, of describing it, but that's one of the one of the fundamentals, in my opinion, of closing that group down.
2: Right.
0: You know, so the other thing that a lot of guys don't understand is, you know, we all suppressors these days are all the rage and, hey, I love them, don't get me wrong. But everyone wants to lock two or three inches off their barrel or more in some cases so it doesn't make the firearm too long. For every inch you chop off your barrel, you lose approximately 100 feet of velocity. So, we, you know, you need to balance all this up. So, you need a fast burning powder.
1: So, so, you're talking about, you know, taking that edge that off. I thought it, it was coming down to calibers as well with with that. You shorten your barrel, say, on a 308, most of the powder's burnt or the powder burns off earlier. Or Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that first?
0: Uh, the powder burn rates. Um, fastest powder, for example, is in your pistols, uh, which is Trail Boss. And, you know, that burns extremely fast. And then, you know, and then the Table goes down to your slower burning powders, You're know, like 800X, you know, slower than Trail Boss, and, and 2209, slower again, and so on and so forth. So the amount of powder you have in your case is relevant to how long it takes to burn while the bullet's going down your barrel. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you've got s- slow-burning powder in that's still trying to burn once the projectile's exited your muzzle you sort of, you know, it's a messy it's a messy load, a lot of carbon and so forth in your barrel and so, and so forth, you know, it's pretty messy. So to increase your velocity, you need the powder physically shoving that projectile down the barrel while it's in the barrel. Yeah. It's not going to do anything once it exits the barrel. So, you know, that's why you need to play around, you know, tailor-make, you know, you have something to suit. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: So... Uh, I'm still, i still trying to get, so why, for example, if you're trying to do all that stuff, why can't the, when you shorten it, obviously you can make sure that you get that powder rate a little bit better, but why can't you just chuck the fastest burning powder down every single time?
0: Well, you can, but it doesn't always suit every single firearm. Yeah, right, so why not? Um, Why don't all women love the same diamond ring? (laughs) Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know, every single firearm's different. You know, it comes out of the same factory. You know, one after the other. But firearm number one hundred and two will be slightly different than firearm number one hundred and three, just because of machining wear and tool wear and so on and so forth. So, you need to build a load up. You know, watching for pressure signs, checking your uh, patterning. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put the fastest burning powder under the you know, maximum charge, it could be signs of pressure. You know, is not good, it wears things out, and if you go too far, it can be, you know, very dangerous and, in fact, deadly. So you need to work a load up, and if it doesn't suit, you know, fastest powder may not suit. Right. Um, certainly, you know, I don't recommend anyone using Trail Boss, you know, sort of in a 308 at anything over about, 10.5 grains. It's still going to be a subsonic load, but if you start going higher, you start to increase too much pressure, you know, so you do got to be very careful.
1: Mm. And it can go horribly wrong, can't it? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. You only need to go onto YouTube and, you know, there's a few guys who have been trying to develop rounds. One of the classic ones I like is the guy trying to do shotgun um, shell. You know, which everyone seems to think is fairly basic. He pulls the trigger, one thing goes bang. He pulls the trigger, it goes click. Then he looks down the barrel. Have you ever seen that one? And about three seconds later, it blows his hat off.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know,
0: so it can go horribly wrong, horribly quick, with horrible consequences. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, okay. Right. So, say I was thinking, and I, I am actually thinking about getting into a little bit of reloading myself. What do I need yep. to know?
0: You need to know what you're comfortable doing, you know, and that's one of the biggest things i find. You know, I've got a few customers...
1: The problem with Go. me is I'm one of these guys, Mike, and I my one of my philosophies in life is to, you know, bite off more than you can chew and then chew like hell.
0: Yeah, if you start doing that with gunpowder and firearms, <laughs> chances yeah. are it starts, to, it starts to chew back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, I've seen guys at the range with, you know, ladies I've worked up and they pull the trigger and all of a sudden it's venting out through the bolt of them.
2: Oof.
0: You know, and, and they end up with powder residue in their eyes and sins eyebrows. It's not pretty. Mm. So, if, you, if you're if you getting into relating, and let's face it, it's not hard once you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, um, see, to me, it still seems like a little bit of a mystery, eh? Well, yeah, it's probably Probably
0: a bit hard for me to explain. I mean, I've been dealing with combustible material from the age of, Jesus, six, seven. Mm. You know, it's not always with my parents' authority, I'll, I'll be quite <laughs> blunt, but I've always been fascinated by things that go bang. Mm. Um, to me, it's not hard. You've got to be totally and utterly fastidious about what you're doing. Right. You can't take any half-assed measures. Oh, I haven't got any of this powder. Oh, this is close. I'll use that at the same charge rate. At the moment, for example, a reload of 17 is just not available.
2: Yeah. Every
0: now and then you'll see a bottle come up on trade and it's going for like $180. I mean, you know, my buy prices is a lot less than that normally, but you just can't get it. And there's a lot of guys out there... In fact, I'm looking at a recipe in front of me now. It's for a 284 Winchester that uses 53 grains of Reload of 17. Right. right. I've played around with other powders to try and get the results this guy's getting, and we're getting there. You know, I've got to, in fact, I'm going to the range hopefully uh, tomorrow with Glenn to see if we can sort out the final charge on this. But you've got to play around, and when you do start playing around, you've got to start playing low so you go to your your manual and I've got about four different loading manuals that I swear by
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you start off at the starting charge rate never ever start at the other end
2: right
0: you know there's a minimum and a maximum so you start off low and just work your loads up until you get the results you want um the velocity doesn't necessarily mean accuracy
1: right
0: you know when I was um I met shooting for a living well a, a, um, you know, a bit of a living. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the 243, we actually dropped that back. Right. You know, but to get the accuracy I wanted, I needed to drop it back by about 300 feet a second.
2: Yeah.
0: But it was still devastating, you know, because it was more accurate. So you're getting cleaner headshots, which at the end of the day equals more money in my back pocket So there's no waste of me. So but back to your question, if you want to get started... By all means, people can get in touch, or you can just go and buy one of the best manuals I've found for reading and learning is the Hornady Reloading Manual. Yeah. Start at page one, and you do not touch your reloading gear until you've read that three or four times. Um, And then you can. That's not really
1: the Kiwi way, is it? Isn't it? It's kind of.
0: Hey, it's not the way I did it, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I first started, mate, oh, yeah, sweet, you know, I went into it. And I, I'll never forget, when I was only a young fella, maybe I was 19, 20 perhaps, I loaded up some seven more Red Mag, and I was out, and here was this big 16-point stag on the top of head just south of Terrain. Big, big Russian Royal Red Stag. So I went to close the bolt, and the bolt wouldn't close. Now, by the time I worked out that, hey, I hadn't resized this properly, hey, that deal was gone. Mm. So you know I didn't work that out until I got back and started a measure thing you know it's like oh Jesus I've done a whole lot of these and I haven't had the die set properly wow. so yeah that's a lesson learned um, so read the book yeah. get you know get the equipment don't just get a, you know, one die set don't just get your press and the powder funnel and your you know and your uh, you know, start loading and away you go. You actually do need to measure things. You know, you need to have a critical eye. You know, inside a firearm there's extremely tight tolerances and you need to make sure that you're within those if you want good, successful rounds.
1: Hmm. Mm. I just, yeah, I suppose, and that's the thing. You know, I look at it, I can go out for a couple of hundred bucks, I can probably get all the stuff I need to start... Yep. And but I'm worried I'm going to make a real hash of this. So then it yep. comes back to, well, do I just go and just buy my ammunition? I think that the thing that's changed is used to be a lot of guys like yourself probably reloaded for fiscal reasons, where now it's not so much that, is it? It's about accuracy and getting what you want.
0: Yeah. He you, last week's show actually, which by the way I thought was one of your best shows you've ever done. Um. A lot more guys are getting into long range. You know, in mm. the years gone by, the old 303s, the 3030s, you know, your 4440s, which, by the way, I've shot many goats with that. Yeah, yeah they were fine because you're only shooting at maximum 100 100 yards. Yeah. These days, guys are you know a bit like myself. In the last a few years, I've I've decided, hey, I want to give you a know, long range a go. Mm. When you start talking long yeah. range, you need that accuracy. You can't, well. Some would probably argue, but I don't believe you can go to the shop, buy ammo, and it's going to bang. It's going to suit your rifle and be perfect. I'm a wee bit anal when it comes to shooting at 900 metres at goats. I want to know that shot number one is going to go to the same place as shot number
2: five.
0: Yeah. So the only way of doing that is to you know, work up a load, find out what your firearm likes. Yeah. My firearm. Loves the 140 grain SFTs you know 6.5. Just it just swallows them you know, like a fat kid eating bloody um, MMs. It just loves them. Um, so you know that's what I'm throwing down the barrel. I, I I do have some lighter loads, which I think 107 grain. You know 107 grain Sierra's. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, fantastic on, you know, environments. You know, like, like hares and rabbits. And for me, that's another way of, you know, practicing my accuracy and my breathing when I'm, you know, shoot, shooting your hair at 400 meters. Mm. You know, watching them disappear in front of you. It's a lot of satisfaction with the load you've done yourself. Yeah. Mm.
1: And this, this might seem okay. I've got a couple more questions, and they might seem silly, but I'm obviously I, I know very little about reloading, so it's something I'm getting interested in. So first yep. of all. Obviously, we're talking a lot here about centerfires. Can you reload rimfires, or is it just not worth it?
0: Um, Some people can't actually reload a rimfire, no. Um, With the primer being part of the shell. Mm,
1: Of course. Actually, that's a good point. But can you load your own rimfires? It's probably more what I meant.
0: To be honest with you, I've never ever thought about it. I've never looked. Um, I don't know. I mean, you you probably can buy... Somewhere in the world <laughs> Prime cases Yep Getting them here Might be an issue um,
1: But hey Who knows Oh yeah No that's a good Okay mm. And then the, the mm. other question That I have for you Which you're very passionate Obviously we know You can reload shotgun shells You've, you've talked about this On the show before But can you reload steel Really Yep
0: Absolutely I'm very successful
1: Reloading steel yeah. um, you, Well you do You do Yeah but can I you know, is it something... Because you've got, you've got a... It's it's a bit of a different thing, isn't it, reloading steel?
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's... It's a completely different beast in loading lead. Um, pressures are higher. It's different componentry. You know, I had a customer a little while ago who thought he wanted to play around you know, with some steel loads, and he went out and bought a whole lot of wads off someone who I won't mention, um... You know, and then he rang me up. I said, No, no, you can't use them. Oh, but I've looked in the book, and it doesn't say that they're for lead or steel. I said, Yeah, but if you read right at the beginning of the book, it'll tell you that if it doesn't designate steel, it's it's the lead only. So he went and bought five thousand wads, I think it was, and then he realised, Hey, I can't use them. Mm. Um, you've got to get a specific steel reloading wads. And we can all buy manuals, you know, from lights, hunting and fishing and so forth, and it'll have have a myriad of, you know, steel shop shell loads, but now you've got to try and get the componentry. Right. You
2: know,
0: when I really got into this quite a few years ago now, there was the country, you couldn't buy any from any shop. Mm. You know, so I actually approached the manufacturer in Italy, and they gave me a contact with the major loading factory here in New Zealand. And um, basically told them mm. to sell them to me. Mm. Um, so it's tricky, it's hard, um, and it is a bit of a different beat. You've got to be really careful. I know, with it, the so pressures are a lot higher. Yeah. Hence why you don't use it in older firearms, etc. Um, but you know, but it can be done. You know, don't be put off. If you wanna, if you wanna learn more, you know, go online and learn more, or you know, get get in touch, and I can steer you in the right direction.
1: So that's the other thing, you know, someone like myself, I understand, I think now uh, the the benefits of reloading everything from Cinefi right through to shotgun shells, Mm. but I don't have the gear yet. I'd like to know more about it before I go and invest in that and make sure it's something I'd like to do, but I don't shoot a thousand rounds a month, you know, I'm just not out there, you know, with my cannon going nuts. I can come to someone like you. And and you could do that reloading for me, you know, and yep. be part of that story. Yep.
0: Yep. You, know, you can even come along, you know, when I'm doing it if I've got the time and you can actually watch and help me do it. I mean it's no it's it's not like a secret society. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, it's reloading a, a lot of people, you know, there's a bit of they think it's a bit mythical and we're all, you know, buddy magicians and so forth. You know, we're not, but we're just fastidious and we've learned enough. Mm. It, it, do you fly fish at all, Steve? Badly. Okay, but do you tie? Do you tie your own flies?
1: No, but I I get them off someone who does. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember I would have been seven or eight, perhaps, and at one Christmas I got a fly tying kit and I, and I tied up some flies. I mean they were shit. <laughs> you know they looked more like like floods than flies. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, I went and caught a fish it. Man, I was so proud. Mm. I tied that fly. I made that from a steel and a bit of, mm. I think it was imitation steel for at the time, and da-da-da-da. You don't fire 1,000 rounds a month. Mm. But imagine dropping that, you know, a stag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With ammo you've made yourself. Very it, great point. To me, it's all, it's all part of it. Now, it's not for everyone. Don't get me wrong. Um, for me, you know, when I first started doing this, man, I used to get such a buzz, I, and I still do. I mean, it, yeah, I'm 40. You probably know how old am I don't? 44, I think it is. 45. Um Yeah, and I know. An old grey bastard, man. I tell you. But um, you know, even now when I shoot an animal, I feel like I'm 16 again.
2: Mm.
0: You know, which I haven't physically purchased ammunition apart from experimentation. Or, uh, I can't remember. Um, but, you know, I still get that kick, you know, when, uh, and when a customer comes back to me and shows me or sends me a photo of a trip down, you know, down south there in Fiordland, you know, we just shot a big, bloody elk, mm. or what it is we call them up. We, you know, it gives me a sense of satisfaction even just loading his ammo for them. You know, it's a good feeling. And, and you just, know, and also... Yeah. Another key point, as the
1: missus says, it gets me out of her hair. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, look, and I can completely relate to all of those things, including getting out of the wife's hair. It's... um. <laughs> You know, because as you know, uh, you know I'm very much involved with you know creating my own products from the meat yep, that I kill. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. You know everything from salami to jerky to you know, all that kind of stuff, and also do a lot of brewing. And I don't do it with the little bottles of stuff. You know, if I'm going to make rum, I make it in barrels. And so I yeah. completely, <laughs> completely relate to that. And the funny thing is, I don't actually drink spirits at the moment. Did you know that? I don't know if I told you that. No, you didn't. Nah, but no, nah, I, I haven't had a hmm. spirit since last August, nearly a year, and it I wasn't a problem. I just decided one day I didn't need that in my life, but I'm still making it. So it's it's starting to pile up. I'll talk to you about that later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't had a drink now for probably oh, seven or eight right. years. Yeah. So, um, oh, let, and let's
1: see what we can do. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and once again, you know, I didn't have a problem with it. I just woke up one morning and thought. A bit
1: of a hangover. I'm not doing this ever again. I don't so. Oh, Oh, well, there you go. But I, mm. I suppose where I'm getting at is I completely relate to that sense of doing it yourself. And in, and you've just hit the nail on the head for me. You've actually just you, you've got me across the line, Mike. That that's that. If I was going to do that, if I and I am, I'm going to get into reloading. That's the reason I would do it to get that extra bit of satisfaction to say that I followed this through from as far back as I could right to the end, you know, we're all hunters because we like to put meat on our tables and we like yep. that sense of pride it's yep. just taking that one step further isn't it?
0: Absolutely and you know, on the next step, you know, when you do this the next step is, you know, once you've taken the animal and you, know, you, and you bring it home is then you do something with it
2: mm.
0: you know, you make your own salami and so forth, or, you know, you get it made or whatever and, you know, and And I'm not at that point. I've tried to cut up animals and I give the word butchery a bad
2: name.
0: (laughs) Okay, I, nah. Um, So I take it and get done, you know, and I end up with far more meat than if I did it myself and the Mm -hmm. dogs don't get as fat. Um, You know, so good on you.
1: So, mm, yeah, mm. so you've actually, yes, yeah, so you've really nailed it there. So, someone, oh, okay, good. no, good. Well, well done. Good on you for selling that idea to me. Now, if, it's so,
0: the first time I've ever changed my mind on anything.
1: Well, and I'm, and you know I'm <laughs> not easy to change my mind on anything. We've had discussions yeah, like still this. You don't want be the little spoon. No, <laughs> I'm never the little spoon, Mike. <laughs> now, if people want to find out how to get in touch with you, you've got a website. What is it?
0: FeltonReloading.co.nz. Uh, yeah
1: and I can find your phone number and contact details on there. Thank you once again, Mike. You're a regular on the show. We love having you. You're always good for a chat, particularly at short notice. And this is lazy radio because you only live down the street. I probably could have come around. <laughs> but um, we did this by phone. And again, thank you very much. And look, I'm, I'm going to do this. I think that what I'll do is next time I've got a bit of time and, uh, and and you have too and you're doing some reloading, Let's let's get together and I can at least start to see the process.
0: Yeah, no worries at all, mate. Yeah, that's fine. You know, thanks for giving us a ring and
1: having a chat. That's us for another week. Thank you again for joining us. Remember, you can win that great 12-month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Social Image, Lower Footwear, Jetboil, and the great team at NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. Be careful out there, guys, and good hunting.
0: podcasting from an undisclosed location from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him it's a show all about hunting in new zealand and around the globe this is the hunting show find the hunting show on facebook and twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics